just to recap like where we are in our little lives and what we're watching and what we're reading and where we're movies we've seen and stuff do you have anything because i have one which i'd like what? to talk about is it is it well i'd like to we can talk falling about stars you, you just take the oomph out of my life sometimes no because that's what you said last time i already knew that that's <laughs> well, not a, taking the oomph it's not new news Well, now for old news. Welcome yeah, back to the Pokemon Exchange. You doing better. And I was this is right. <laughs> I don't know. I can't think because I don't have my DVR open. Welcome back to the Pokemon Exchange. This is Ryan. Well, okay, wait. Before <laughs> we will not say hello. We can't start until you say I'm hi. I'm Okay, now shut up. <laughs> I'm reading a book, but you wouldn't approve of them. And so I, I finished that yesterday, and it was pretty good. Was it a fix? No. I was there at the dawn of the second season of the Pokemon Exchange. It was a port of call for fans. Hundred fathoms. It could be a dangerous place, but we accepted the risk because the proof of exchange was our last best hope for conversation. This is our story. Welcome back to the Puff Exchange. This is Ryan. I'm Jen, and I'm not ashamed of it. Okay, well, the funny thing is the way I, I, I'm in the edit this, people don't know what in the earthly world Jen is talking about. So she's Jen and she's not ashamed to be Jen. All right, before we uh, discuss uh, Torchwood tonight, we're going to, well, it's not tonight, it's uh, 1.30 in the afternoon or whatever. Oh, we did discuss how we're going to do this. This is, well, I think we've done 200 of these. I think we can, well, I have, you've done like 12. But we no, can no, no, that's through. not what I meant. Can we combine? Uh-huh. Are we doing one, stopping, and then another? Why would we do that? Because I don't want to do that. Because I wanted to combine them, but I didn't know if you had like some pre-planned Jen, itinerary. Jen, this is Puffwa. I'm not Robert. I don't have an itinerary. <laughs> oh, I love Robert. We love Robert from Spellcast. He listens to us. He listens to this. I know he does. Right. I love Robert from Spellcast. I'm saying Robert from Spellcast. When did I not love Robert from Spellcast? Robert from Spellcast likes itineraries. And he's not Robert from Spellcast anymore, right? He's always Robert from Spellcast. Well, who else would he be? Rob. I don't want to call him Rob. I want to call him Robert from Spellcast. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I told him 20 years after Spellcast and Puff and everything is dead and buried, he will be Robert from Spellcast. I don't know why we're talking about Robert from Spellcast. Why, other than the fact that we both adore him, why are we talking about Robert? Well, you're we're, Professor Huggles forever and I, ever. I, I will be. Now, why are we're, okay, help pull me back on. It's bananas. What? Oh, sorry. I don't know what the earthly world Jen's... Oh, she's Jen and she's not ashamed of it. All right. We're going to do something very... <laughs> See, I found my way home. We're going to do something uh, a little bit different. We're gonna be... Tonight, we're going to be talking about uh, the Torchwood episodes, Escape from L.A., and uh, the other one. What was the other one? The Categories of Life. Life. Categories of Life. I can't believe you remember the names. That's well, really good. I have well, it, I, well, thank you. I have it open in my screen here, and I was doing that uh, 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 thing until I opened that particular window. <laughs> It's like, I don't remember their name. Thanks for giving away another trade it's secret. Two in a row because it's my fault because I went on vacation and I just come back. And we were supposed to do one and then we were going to stop and watch the next one and then do the next one. But I couldn't not watch the next one when it was on my DVR after I finished the first one and you weren't responding this morning. Your accent is getting thicker even as you're talking. No, it's not. It is. It's getting thicker. People are writing to me. I don't know it's, what Jen's saying, but it sounds fantastic. Like 
manlier? Thicker? No, like, like drawlier. You're getting more Drawlier. You're not becoming a man. I made the sex change operation <laughs> joke already. Thank you very much. I'm gender proud of it. <laughs> She's gender proud of it. All right. <laughs> what we'd like to do uh, very briefly is if there's any other fandoms that we as the, as the hosts are into week to week, we just like to throw out their ideas that we have or fandoms that you might want to look into. One series that I got into recently was Falling Skies, which is a Steven Spielberg series on TNT. It's a summer series. It's a 10 episode series that's eight episodes, seven, eight episodes are already out. No, eight episodes are out because the final two are um, coming out tonight. And it's absolutely hooking me. And last night's episode, or it was last week's episode, I just watched it last night, was one of those episodes where they hit you over the head with something and it suddenly clicks and you're so excited and you want to talk about it. And then Jen's in a car driving through a state that's flat. So I had to wait like 12 hours before I could talk about it with another human being. And like 12 hours of it was Texas, which is boring. Texas is very boring. We Well, you live there. Now that you're home, it's no longer boring. That's right. That's right. Well, it's sad, but it's, 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 it's accurate. It's like that Crest commercial where they smile and it, like, it dings. <laughs> yeah, know. that's me when I came up to Texas. <laughs> I don't know what the hell you're talking about right now. Yes, you do. Right. The toothpaste commercial. All right, so check out Falling Skies. We may do podcasts on Falling Skies. It is a post-apocalyptic, a phrase that I love to say but can never pronounce, series <laughs> That is all aftermath. It takes place after an alien invasion of the Earth. There is no for there is no flashbacks. It is not an action flick. It takes place weeks or months after uh, aliens have attacked the Earth and so killed. It's after the end. It's after the end, but with much less kissing, <laughs> much less kissing, and and oh. m- many few lawyers, many few lawyers. Oh. There's no Secretary Privy Rose Gay Brown. Okay. And it uh, takes place in Massachusetts, so it takes place around... Well, we know why you like it, Well, well, the thing I like about it is shows... (laughs) They take place in Massachusetts. They always make up town names and it doesn't make any sense. A friend of mine at work and I are actually watching the show and we're, it's funny because in the first episode they're talking, they reform kind of like the revolutionary, uh, armies and they have like the Massachusetts first and the Massachusetts second and it's these human resistance movements, you know, by the survivors against the aliens. And at one point, they're having a resistance meeting and they're like, all right, you take the Massachusetts third and head down route three from Boston into Marblehead. I'm like, Route 3 goes nowhere near Marblehead. <laughs> There's no way you could do that. But they get so many of the other details right, but it cracks me up because part of the show takes place in the town of Acton, which is a, a town in Middlesex County in Massachusetts. And it's clearly filmed in Vancouver or California, wherever they're filming the show. <laughs> and they're walking around, they're like, oh, Acton's really nice. I've never been here. And you look around, it's like wheat fields. <laughs> it's stuff you would never find you. So it's... it's, it's we, were, that, we were watching what were we watching oh that movie true grit and right. they were supposed to be in texas and like there's rolling mountains or it's like and we we're um, like where's the mountains i can't um uh blanking on the movie uh tina tia leone deep impact uh where the uh, the comets are never gonna oh, hit the earth that's and like a sick day movie that's a sick day mine was always the jetsons meet the flintstones that was always my sick day movie no idea why and they're by like the, the shore of virginia and the water is coming and they're like we need to get to higher ground and they climb the mountain which is conveniently right on the shore of virginia i'm like that was never there before i'd love when they add i just like her please well the what <laughs> Isn't that the one where she's like multi-pass? I don't know what you're talking about. Okay, I think you've come back <laughs> as like a pod person from wherever the hell you've been. That, what was the movie you, you were talking about? D- Deep Impact. 
Oh, no, I was thinking of Fifth Elf. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, knowing this, when you podcast with many people, and one of them you could tell is a little You're nuts. You're talking about the Elijah Wood movie. Yes. Oh. Well, it's like you can talk to... You said, the- I thought you said, oh, that's her. Are you having the whole little thing right there in your head? (laughs) I thought you were talking about that girl that had red hair in Fifth Element. No. Oh. Okay. Well, usually when you have a podcast and someone in the line is nuts, you can just talk to everybody else. Unfortunately, right now, Jen's the only person (laughs) here, so it's awkward. I'm so sorry. It's been a long, long couple. (laughs) It's it's like an awkward date. You just have to talk to the waiter. Um, I don't even know why I'm talking about Deep Impact. All right, Deep Impact. Okay, uh, Falling Skies. So it, it, it's one of those shows similar to Torchwood where something will come up in episode one that doesn't make sense. And Jen and I will podcast about it and we'll say this makes absolutely no sense. Then at the beginning of episode two, Jack will be like, you may have noticed, Gwen, this makes absolutely no sense. Here's why. And we're like, good. And then repeat for episode two, repeat for episode three. They In the beginning episodes of Falling Skies, they were making comments like, this doesn't make any sense. Why would the aliens come millions of miles to steal metal from our cars? And everyone's like, hmm, we'll have to think about that. And then it comes back in episode seven, and it's a major plot development. So it's one of those shows where I'm getting a lot out of it. It's a terrific show. It's starring Noah Wiley and no one else whom I recognize. That ER guy. Um, the, the No, the ER. Yes, the other ER guy, not Rex. All of my favorite shows right now on TV have former cast members of ER in them. It's true. Even Doctor Who. Even Doctor Who. Who from Doctor uh, Riversong? Riversong. I love yeah. her. Yes. Okay. And the other <laughs> thing I have to tell you, Torchwood is bleeding out into my private life here. I recently what? just calm down. I'll explain. I'm listening. All right. I'm like, is this G-rated? <laughs> Jen, with me, it's always G-rated. <laughs> unlike yourself. Oh, shout out, shout out to Jules, by the way, if she's listening. Just she'll know. Hi, Jules. Hi, Jules. She'll know why. And uh, Danielle and I are doing a rewatch of the Star Trek movies. We, I put on Star Trek once. Well, no, we're still doing it, Jen. I put oh. on Star Trek one for her. She fell asleep nineteen times, so we just I told her how it ended, and we skipped to Star Trek two. Ooh, wasn't that one exciting? Star Trek three, <laughs> mm, mm, one of those. We watched Star Trek four. You know, big fans of Star Trek four, but she really wanted to watch Star Trek five because it's such a what? stupid movie that you can't not laugh. Is that all the, the way one through. that Kirk directed? Yes, it's the one William Shatter. Oh, it's it's so like it's, yeah, it's terrible. It's, but four, it's, four is my favorite. It's funny. It's so terrible. It's funny. It's William Shatner. Um, excuse me what does god need with the starship like it's fa- fabulous but watching star trek 4 i'm thinking to, i love the character uh, of jillian taylor Catherine hicks character the marine biologist and i've always thought watching that movie you know okay this woman she's a marine biologist and she goes to work and she finds that the whales are missing and she slaps her boss that is four that yes i know you yes, said five i said four i said four five i said four you said five said- you can rewind this is four. I don't know what you're saying. This is my favorite one. So she slaps. Wait, you're comparing yes. Torchwood to the whale movie? D- whale? Well, whale. It's whale. Okay. In episode 14, you pronounced it whale. Now We're it's making well. fun of me. And oh my gosh, does this plan sound appalling and ridiculous and suicidal? They're going to make a dome, and everyone's going to get trapped inside. Inside with the Dementors. Exactly. Well, they want everyone to get around the edge of the outside so that when people shoot the curse, it goes to the other side of the dome shooting the guy across from him. Like, I've thought about this in detail, and (laughs) the dome shoots downward and slices through the wizards that are out in the way, and I don't know if it ever made a circle or if it just, like, kills all the fish. (laughs) 
you can be overthinking a story and i think we just did it <laughs> so Catherine hicks's character she goes to work and she finds out the whales are missing and she slaps her that boss. is her name Catherine hicks is the actress. no she's just that uh seventh heaven mom yes 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 well, let's call her jillian taylor jillian taylor the main <laughs> biologist slaps bob the boss and she, which I read on Wiki, he didn't realize the actor that she was in the do. He was pissed. You know, you son of a bitch, and slaps the guy because he got rid of her precious whales without telling her. And she jumps in her car and she goes to San Francisco Park and she joins Captain Kirk and she goes to the future and she. They is, go to eat pizza. No, they already did that. And oh. she's never seen again. So all I could think of is he, she's never going to come to work on Monday. They're <laughs> going to find her car in the park. And she's going to have disappeared. They're going to think that she killed herself because the whales are missing. And I always wondered about that. So I tried to look to see if there was any fan fiction just about her character. Just I always found her character interesting. And I found that there are these uh, books that were published from like 99 to like 07 called Strange New World. And it was these basically Star Trek fan fictions which were written in the top vote getters the top rated ones were actually published by whoever, no. yes whoever publishes the, and they're about her well one of them the third place in the second volume or the sixth volume or whatever was about her and it was from the perspective of this disgruntled San Francisco cop who gets the call from her neighbor that she's missing and he has to investigate all the various clues and you know that he searches her apartment and talks to the boss and that then she fi- they find the car and then they, they talk to the waiter because the pizza receipt was in the car and then he gets interrupted because he you know this Russian guy fell off you know a, 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 a naval carrier and he disappeared from the hospital the nuclear vessels yeah and then they pulled the security footage of the people who broke him out of the hospital and one of them is Jillian Taylor so he's like holy crap it's all related so he's investigating this whole thing but I'm picturing in my head Rex from Torchwood is this disgruntled cop <laughs> because that's just the way he's characterized I'm picturing him driving to Jillian's apartment saying I gotta pay for the bridge because it's like, so disgruntled it's, it's fabulous and the thing was I actually um, I downloaded it on my Kindle because it was the first one and you get the sample so I was reading it and it stopped in the middle of the thick I'm like damn so I spent $12 and bought the book <laughs> to finish the fic, Jen, there was one more line to the fic. No! So I paid $12 for the last paragraph. <laughs> but that was fabulous. So I um, urge anyone to... It's called Whales Weep None. I think it's the sixth or the second uh, volume of Strange New Worlds. You can get it for your Kindle or your Nook or whatever. It, it was, it was, it's a very fun read, but I urge you to picture Rex with the gaping chest wound <laughs> paying for the bridge as uh, as the lead character. It was, it was a fabulous read. I and, don't even know where to begin. And watch Falling Skies. Now, Jen, to begin this podcast, said she's Jen and she's proud of it. Why are you proud of it, Jen? Lee is playing with pots and pans. <laughs> You're like, Hold Lee, on. quick, save me. Bang things together. Wait, I don't even remember. Why? What are you reading? I'm not reading anything. I'm staring at your face on Skype. <laughs> not right now. Like, generally oh. speaking, what is it that you're <laughs> like, reading? Like, I'm not reading? Um, what am I? Oh. Now it's coming back to us. No. I have nothing to be embarrassed about. So why are you embarrassed? I'm, <laughs> I'm blushing and I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> it's your fault. <laughs> it's 
like some hidden horrible secret. Our, our fellow Buffanians, Jen is buying things published okay, by Okay, not Clark. only do I love mature rated fan fiction, uh-huh. I have a soft spot for teen romance uh-huh. and um, youth books, youth uh drama what Mm. i don't even youth novels like if we go to bookstore i'll go to the youth section and you haven't read hunger games yet i don't start i will read them Uh, uh, well excuse me (laughs) carry on i will get to it all right cassandra clare came first cassandra clare if you're not a member of the harry potter fandom just skip ahead to our discussion (laughs) she got published and she writes books about the nephilim and they're very fascinating and i love them you asked what I'm interested in. <laughs> I you said you asked. You did this, like, tongue, like... <laughs> <laughs> so Jen recommends them highly. If you're a Puffawanian, oh, just don't tell anyone you're I doing I enjoyed it. the first three Twilight books, too. I mean... <laughs> Get, like, a dusk cover for the book. Just so you can be like, oh, I'm reading ancient Belgian poetry. I don't know. <laughs> That's a good idea. That is a good idea. <laughs> well, it made me she laugh because they made like adult Harry Potter book. covers. Did she you should, see them? She should sell those with the books. She should sell her a novel with the <laughs> Well, they should come out with like adult. Well, I do take off, I will say, I took off the um the outer. It's a hardback. You know, they've got those outer paper things that I always bend up when I'm reading. So the book itself was just this black book. <laughs> so nobody knew. In case you're listening to this and you have no earthly idea what we're talking about, uh, she published fan fiction in the oh, fandom. There were, there were the um, very substantiated allegations of you know, plagiarism and lifting copyrighted materials, and there were there was, not really. Were, yes, and there was wank, lots of wank. There was lots of wank, uh, but she's off the internet and she's published and she's far more wealthier than I am at the moment, so. <laughs> Well, if that's the way to get there, I can't say that she did it wrong. Jen is helping her to to get there by buying her I am. <laughs> I help keep her <laughs> healthy. Everyone else is illegally downloading and going, ha there you go. How do you like it? So Can you legally download books? Can you legally download books? No, I mean, well, illegally. I'm sure there's a way. <laughs> Would you like me to tell you how now? I've got to go. <laughs> <laughs> My goodness. All right. So check out Falling Skies if you haven't. I'm not plugging. So Hell's Kitchen because I like it. You check out Hell's Kitchen if you have time. But uh, (laughs) Falling from Gordon (laughs) Ramsay. We'll do a podcast on it. So Falling Skies uh, season one will be complete by the time you're listening to this. It's ten episodes. Awesome series takes place in Massachusetts, nowhere near Route Three because it doesn't run to Marblehead, and it is one of those shows that they bury a plot point in episode one that becomes huge in episode nine. You'll love it. Check it out on my recommendation, and uh, Jen would like you to read the, the Cassie Claire thing, which Jen can plug. And I'll start Hunger Games soon. You, you will like it. If you have a Kindle, I'll send it to you. I will say that I've gotten really huge into Doctor Who fan fiction, and I did come up with a series that actually Chi recommended that I was blown away by. It throws every other piece of fan fiction I've ever read out of the water, and it is called the Chaos Theory series. And it's amazing. Where is it found on what? It is on a live journal, which is why I probably never came across it. Because unless you know who this author is and are friends with them, you probably will never find this fic. Well, why don't you send me the link to it now and we'll throw it in the show notes for okay. this podcast so people can check it out. I just think it's fascinating because we're recording this episode in August. Jen has just came to visit me in February. And that was, was that the first 
time you experienced Doctor Who, or did you experience Doctor Who last time you were here? No, you that last was time. Part. No, yeah. because this was the one we got sick, and no, no, I no, no, no. The West Wing. So Doctor Who was the the one it was the first one. All right, so you're roughly you've been in the Doctor Who fandom since September of 2010. Yes, that was your first trip. So September of 21 is when this started. So you're less than a year in. And you're, is it all? It, no, it's yes, been more than no, it has. You have been. no idea how many people have gotten into Doctor Who. Yes, I'm I, like, I realize you do, I, I do realize. And I did see the trailer, I've decided the trailer was for public consumption. I checked out the trailer to season six, part two of Doctor Who. I've checked that out. Uh, we have an episode coming out in a few weeks on Popo Exchange, which will be when I'm still back in season five. But uh, I have checked out season six, part two, and am looking forward to it. Are you, still send, I, are you sending me the link still? I just sent you... <clears throat> oh, God, did I send it to you? Okay, yes, I sent it to are you. Are you afraid you sent me your, your porn links again? No, I was afraid <laughs> I sent it to, like, one of my normal friends. <laughs> Separation of church and state. Everyone listening to this podcast knows what I'm talking about. Yeah. Okay, this is, call, this is called The Chaos Verse Chrono- Chronology. Okay. And it is written by uh, Earl Grey T68. T. Earl and, Grey, honey, I love that. Yeah, I know. Well, what's so cool about this, and I have to just go off on a moment, is it is not like a chronological story from A to Z. It's like moments. Like there's a lot of one-shot stories, but they're in order. They're, it's not like just random um, and this link actually is the order that you're supposed to read the story. Is it like shoebox-ish? Yes. Okay. Yes. It's very much without the drawings. And there are novel link stories within this. Like, I think there's three or four just huge stories. So there's one shots and then there's like a 26 chapter story. And then there's one shots, right. you know, for 15 stories. And then, but it, it's like just little moments. And I will say that it is mature, you know, make sure you're an adult reading it because, it does start off with, you know, a bit of hanky-panky. And Th- then this it is goes- a big, pretty big step for you, because Jen usually starts off reading it thinking it's a G-rated fic. She'll get 14 <laughs> chapters into it, recommend it to all the children in the land, then find out it's like there's like anal sex in chapter 7. Oh, my God! She'll have to run back. Well, what makes this story so brilliant is it's the first that I've read where it's a Dr. Rose romance story. Uh And it's actually believable of how they get together and it's about their kids. And it's kind of like, you're going to laugh, but this is sort of like a next generation story. And I hate those. I despise those. Like the epilogue of Harry Potter gives me like hives. But this, it's about the doctor's children and like, but obviously it's not next generation because it, unlike normal family units, the parents don't age. You know, the doctor's still there while they grow, you know, and he's not aging. And so it's, it's basically they just keep getting more family members included into this huge unit. And like, it's about, you know, their, their travels and, but they're, it, the doctor's still there. Like, it's not like he's just gone and the stories aren't about right. him anymore. So it's really, it's really good. And I really thought that this, I wouldn't like it. And is it still 10? Is he still the doctor? Yeah, it's about 10. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. I don't read a lot. I haven't read a lot of Matt fan fiction, actually. Um, mainly because I think it's so, I don't see Amy as a romantic interest for the doctor for 11. I, I am hoping that something happens in six, five or seven or, or, or however long they're going to be doing this. That makes me reevaluate Amy Pond because the way 
that Steve Moffat writes her is that, at least for me, she makes absolutely no sense until you realize <laughs> it's not supposed to make sense. Here's why. And you're like, oh, I like it now. And then they kind of do it again. So I, I think I'm not going to know what to think of Amy. I think until- they're going to have to come a long way with her in this next half season because obviously she's back for next year. We know that. Yep. And from where we leave her, I think she's going to grow up a lot. And I think we're going to actually love her by the end of this. I really, I have high hopes that I'm going to love her. Right. But I'm with you right now. I just feel kind of at a distance from her. So hopefully and, they'll, uh... yeah. But anyway, let's get to, uh, Torchwood. Cause Torch we have a couple Bay. episodes of Torchwood Miracle Day. Woo! Now, something, now the, the difficult part about podcasting when something is immediately on the air is you get our instant reactions. We love it. We hate it. Whatever. And then the next day we think about it some more and we think about it some more and we think about well, it some no, more. No, I watched it about an hour ago. I watched both episodes consecutively an hour ago. Right. I, what I'm thinking about was the, okay. the, uh, <laughs> the third episode that we were doing four and five tonight. The third episode that we watched was the one with the, oh my moment where Jen is her magnifying glass out trying to see, uh, you know, it just Parts oh of that yes, that moment. And <laughs> after the podcast is over, I thought about it the next day, the next day, the next day, and I'm like, I really didn't like that episode. <laughs> like the more I thought about it, the more <laughs> is I'm it like, because you don't like naked men on no, TV? Well, no, well, I don't think it has anything to do with my opinion on naked men. Jennifer. I think it's <laughs> just the more I'm watching this episode, the more I'm well, thinking James loves Torchwood, and James watched that scene and was like, oh, oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh my! And I was like glued more, <laughs> more, more, and it's. Well, nevertheless, I'm watching this, and I lo- I enjoyed the first episode because you know for reasons described in that podcast. In the second episode, they had the whole bit on the plane, and you know the the Mini Cooper and Newman was an idiot and all that stuff. Then the third episode, there it was basically the if I just sum up the third episode in retrospect it was the pharmaceutical companies did it. They lied to me about the building being a TARDIS and completely screwed me up. Everyone's having sex. <laughs> Very graphically, Jack is going off the rails, and it just, it didn't, it, at the end of it, I'm like, what in the name of God did I just watch? And I think I kind of enjoyed the little bits of it, but in retrospect, I was kind of not looking forward as much to four and five. I was thinking it kind of jumped. Through. It reminded me of like a season one, season two episode, which were very hit or miss. Yeah. It didn't really glue me. And then episode four, uh, Escape to LA came along and was fantastic. And then last night's episode came along and, or last week's episode came along. Like, oh my, I seriously had an, oh my God. It was fantastic. So I think yeah. three was an unfortunate lull. I, I just don't think it really held well, up. It was important because we needed to understand that Jack was mortal. That was all that was. Him on the plane. There's, give him a paper cut, Jennifer. There's other ways to show that. <laughs> no, just more. give him our. What did they give him? A Arsenal. bartender. They gave him a bartender, and look what happened. Oh wait, now I'm thinking of two. Never mind. Yes, you are thinking. Yeah, of two. I'm on Fifth Element. Sorry. Okay, continue. We have the, McVeigh has no idea what's going on. <laughs> over here. So, uh, talking about yeah. them as a whole. Talking about them as a whole, I thought the ending of Escape from L.A. was fantastic. You have uh, Gwen in the... In the I'm, I keep calling it the Psycor building. She's in the Psycor building and she gets bonked over the head. So then they send Jack up. Jack gets bonked over the head. So then Rex is going up. And luckily Rex made it because they were trying to run out of volunteers to go up. And he runs up for you. He hits seven flights of stairs with a gushing chest wound and 
Um, I just watched Star Trek Six last night in the moment where the Klingon says, since you're all going to die anyway, why not tell you? The guy behind the whole thing's name is Kirk gets beamed up to the ship. And it's, yeah, could you not have waited one? Well, the thing was, Eve Miles, her acting was so terrific in that scene because she looks horrified. This guy's about to slit her throat. She has a baby. Reese will never know what happened and all these different things. And she, she, her eyes are bloodshot and she's crying and her face is red. And she does such a great job with that scene of just, she's Gwen Cooper and she's shooting at helicopters with her kid in her arms and she's Wonder Woman and she's so vulnerable in that scene. In the next moment he was about to tell us what happened and you shot him in the throat! <laughs> I know! <laughs> you kind of shot him in the kneecap! Come on! Yeah. And Rex is like bleeding out. He's like, what? Thank you. From anyone. Anyone. Come on! <laughs> And that, I thought that was abs- is Esther. Could you imagine Esther running up the stairs? I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm sorry. I screwed up. She's crying. She's so whiny. Well, uh, and even in uh, even in the the next episode, why can I not remember the names of this next episode? Which is the categories of life. In categories of life, she's like, "Am I useless? Do I have a purpose here?" Okay, can I just say, I thought that conversation was absolutely ridiculous because although she's whimpering all the time. She's the only one doing anything. Like she's she tush. is, so she is Torchwood right now, she's and they're tush. all just sitting around bumming off of her. She is Tosh, and I, I enjoy the fact that they're in the they're in the little apartment, and they've got the you know, the projector going, and that's the new screen, and they have the miracles. Here's the thing: Torchwood may be gone, but its software is self replicating, so they always have the torch. <laughs> oh, the okay. software! Oh. Why? Why did they go to L.A.? I'm very confused. Psychor, Fi- uh, Psychor. Ficor. That's where Ficor was. That's where Ficor was. Okay. And it's sunnier. And the see, and the show got so much better since they went out there. Everything's better in Los Angeles, apparently. Okay. I just have to say, there were several <laughs> moments where I was like, this is just a little bit over the top. Because, okay, like it shows, it, they were like, oh, we just drove 2,800 miles and they're all like, stretching. And then they're like, okay, let's go. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, no, I have just driven 2,800 miles. I got out and couldn't walk. <laughs> Well, then in Categories of Life, Gwen flies home to Wales, which I thought was fantastic. I love that we're yes, still connected. And they did ex- she was just gone one moment. She's like, yeah, I'm going to buy. No, she went to get her dad. She went to save her dad. and she. Well, yes, but there and, was no precursor, really. She was just suddenly there. Well, no, the end of the last episode, you have Reese chasing the ambulance. Your father's gone. And in the beginning of this episode, she flies home with you know for the purpose of saving her dad. And the part that just kind of cracked me up is we have this 10-second shot of her lying to the you know, the guy at Border Patrol or whatever who lets her on the plane. My thing is, if it's that easy for... Because remember in the first episode, it's like, we have to talk very quietly because the C- Newman could be anywhere and the CIA, they're after us and we have to put the you know the, sp- the spikes in the middle of the road to stop the cop cars. Now it's like four episodes out and they're kind of like volunteering for government service. You know what I mean? I liked, like, I liked her code name, Yvonne, because her I name's did. Evie. I did like that. But what I'm thinking yeah. is, watching this, is they're kind of, they're, they're outlaws, but we're kind of getting away. You know, they're hiding out, but it's not as very overt as it was before. You know, they're, 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 they're comfortable walking down the street, you know what I mean, calling. Yeah, them. yeah. And you got that sense of it. So my question is, could they really not have just flown from... <laughs> <laughs> like it's like yeah, and it makes perfect sense. You don't want to push it. You can't get to England any other way. But I just it's kind of funny. They're like, we're gonna go on the back of a Mitsubishi drive out. Well, I just at the beginning they were so like, here's our you know place where we're away from civilization because everybody's trying to kill us and capture us and blah blah blah. And suddenly everybody can live forever, so no one cares about them anymore. Like she can walk around the street, she can go visit her mom. 
They're fine now. I don't know why they were in hiding in the first place. Well, that that bit in England was a little stupid. Well, except if it was, you know, the CIA was uh, was was searching for Rex and for uh, Esther, but they would be looking for Jack and Gwen as well. So you would think that you know British security or you know, MI5 or MI6 or something would be keeping tabs on Gwen's mom's phone lines. You know what I mean? Yeah. But she's still able to stay in touch with Reese, and she's still stable. So I'm wondering if there's like a disconnect between the CIA and the Brits because it seems very the convenient. The CIA can't pick up Skype, Ryan. They can't pick up Skype. Yeah, like what the hell is that? <laughs> and I lo- well, yeah. you know, they're bouncing it off a Chinese satellite and stuff. So obviously, <laughs> like it's. Re- and I did enjoy that moment. She's like, "Oh, Reese, it's it's terrible here," and she's walking out. And she's <laughs> Was serious- that a seagull? No. <laughs> That was just some bird woman. <laughs> and she's seriously, she's getting skin cancer as she talks. And she's like, "Oh, it's it's terrible. We're living in a shed." <laughs> well, what, are those people around out here? No, it's the street gangs. It's absolutely fantastic. And you know that Reese is like, "Yeah, yeah, uh-huh, yeah." This is a video chat. Well, the other day, Jen wanted me to video chat with Lee, and I, and I love Lee very much. So I wanted to video chat with him, but Jen still doesn't. I got Jen to understand the Monday through Friday work week thing. I can't video chat. <laughs> But the thing she does now is she tries to video chat with me when I'm in the car. So it's like, I didn't realize you were in the car. <laughs> I was in the car. So that would be I don't fun. understand when you Skype me from your phone. That technology's too advanced. <laughs> so, but the thing which absolutely cracks me up is I'm picturing like her going, "No, I'm in the shed in the gangs." Gwen, this is a video chat. Ah. <laughs> ah. <laughs> that would have been, exactly. been fantastic. Oh, there were so many moments that I want to talk about. I just loved. Let's. Uh, where can we start? I just want to talk about everyone. Can we please start with the landlord, <laughs> who's the, the biker landlord. dude with the tattoos, who shows the gay them, one, the gay, yeah. who shows them into the place and like, oh, we're a circus. I'm the bearded woman. Yes, yeah, she forgot to shave a little bit. And they go down the line. And he's like, if you want to go down the street, there's this place that has you know, guacamole and whatever. It's it's fabulous, it's fabulous. Lathers and Rex just looks over. Are you turning the entire world gay? And Jack's like, that's the plan. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Jack and Evie do have like some of the best. Well, they twists, had that. Right? they had the, they had the moment where they had to go up to. Okay, now they have to get into to FICOR headquarters, so they need the voice print. The uh the retinal scan and they need the the palm print or the thumbprint or whatever of the guy. So they concoct this thing where they walk up looking like hippies and they have him hold the. Cup. That was hilarious. I wonder what the hell app, Torchwood iPhone app she has that you pulled it up to the guy that takes a retinal scan because I didn't think that. No, she her. didn't. She just took a picture and the other girl. Super duper Esther did it. I know, but I didn't think the cameras on those iPhones were that good. But apparently, they I had good. to laugh at Gwen's American. <laughs> at the very end, she's like, "I was mortified." <laughs> He's like, "Don't ever do everything." She was like, "It's awesome." Well, she was sound honestly because when you watch things that are produced in the UK, like say Love Actually, when they go to the United States, they go to Wisconsin, but because we're Americans, everyone has cowboy boots and cowboy hats, because that's what we all have over here, so it's like they kind of don't get it. She was doing Sarah Palin, because that's the accent that <laughs> she had. Like, and she was absolutely doing Sarah Palin. She's like, I'm mortified. I'm mortified. <laughs> mortified. Well, th- the thing which I thought was great is, if you walk up to someone on the street and go, oh, hi, you're Joe Smith, right? And they're like, no, Joe Garubagalas. Like, it was convenient that the guy actually said his entire full name. <laughs> was... And then I just look at him like, get away. No, because if I were in the street, I'd be like, no. And what absolutely, I believe, <laughs> cracked me up, and there's no way I think they could have found this, and maybe I'm remembering it wrong, but they get the, the retinal scan, and they get the thumbprint, and they get whatever. But then the guy from um, 
either the C- I forget, I think he's from the CIA or whoever the other guy was from, or th- whoever the bad guy was who was after him, grabs him in his car and he like cuts out his eyeball and his thumb and steals the yeah. thing. I think Gwen left the door open. The guy could have just followed Gwen in. This poor guy lost his eye and his thumb. I will say that Gwen and Jax was less, you know, horrible. It was horrible, but in retrospect, they never needed it because the guy left the door open because Rex was able to get in without the stuff. So. Well, that's true. That's true. One leap of logic I didn't get was when Rex... Okay, Gwen gets bonked over the head, and then Jack stops responding. Instead of Rex running up immediately to Gwen, he does the same thing Jack does and and runs to the delivery van first. And then he's Uh, like, the guy is still dead! And then he runs up the stairs. Well, he was blinking. He wasn't dead, but no one bothered to untie his note, so he went... Well, he can't talk. So he wouldn't choke. Well, I know, but I would have been like, yeah, could you let me breathe, though? Thanks. Well, he's category one, so... (laughs) (laughs) He's going to be burned anyway. (laughs) We have to melt him down for parts. So what else do you have for escape? Okay, Esther. Mm -hmm. Her entire... I just don't know... At first, I have to say, I was confused about her wanting to see the kids and her sister not letting her. And I thought for a moment, are these Esther's kids that this woman is holding? And obviously, I don't think it was no, at the no, end. No. But it did cross my mind. And um, But yeah, she had the CBS come and take her, the kids away. Well, that, well, the two things I thought there is I get the sense that Esther is one of those people that has no life of her own. She lives through her job, so she clings on to her sister's kids and those are like her surrogate kids kind of she mm-hmm. loves them like her. so I, I got that sense but it was interesting that that um you know the, the the state is still functioning the same way when it comes to uh you know removing children from abusive homes because if you think of it the entire system is being so overwhelmed by the fact that people aren't dying and they you yeah. have four seconds to scan a patient to see if he has a pulse before you burn him and it it was interesting that Esther was able to call the DCF worker, and she's like, oh, yep, I'm familiar with that case. Here's, in, off the top of her head, she knows where the kids are, what their names are. The, yeah, exactly. Like, it's like, you would think this would be a huge thing, but I I do think it's plausible that a lot of parents would board up the windows and shoot the whole family. I hate to say it, because yeah. this is just such a weird thing that you don't know what's going to happen, and they're talking on cable news about, you know, we have two, th- three weeks of food left or whatever, and I, I, I think that was very plausible. Um, you I have- just... Her crying afterwards, and Rex is like, "You're an idiot! I freaking hate you! You're stupid as heck!" And then he's like, "What's wrong? Are you okay? <laughs> why are you why are you crying all the time?" <laughs> I think I think that Rex is a bipolar. <laughs> no, I think Rex. He's like, I got shot in the chest. I am really pissed off today, and I, I don't know. I, I hitting on me exactly. And you have the um. The one line I did like was uh, in the beginning of it. I'm blanking on the name of the child molester dude, Bill Pullman. I I, I don't. His, or- what is it? What's it? Orwell? Or- no. no, his name is not Orwell. Orwell. Oswald. Where did you get Orwell? <laughs> Orwell. <laughs> Hell's going on with you? There's even a point in the beginning where. I was joking earlier, episode one, you know, the, the, they'll have a line that Jack will explain in episode two. At the beginning, he looks at Jilly. You must be wondering why I'm really that important, are you? Like, it's just like, what the, like, it, I did enjoy the fact that as annoying of a character as Jilly, the PR woman is, and is just 
how much I'm not enjoying his entire plot line. I do love the fact that although he's her client, she freaking hates his guts. I, I know. Well, she actually, like, grew an opinion. I kind of liked her a lot more these past two episodes because before, I couldn't figure out what her hidden agenda was. But I see now that she just lives for her job. She lives for her job. And I think, I know each episode is a different writer, and I know they really try to, like, steam over these episodes to make them gel together and make everything work. But I think sometimes certain writers will have more of, you know, of, of a ability to write for certain characters. So it did yeah. feel like all of a sudden in uh, Escape to L.A., she grew a pair. And it seems like all of a sudden in the next episode, you know, the surgeon, God bless her melted soul, uh, you know, grew a pair and decided she was going to fly out to L.A. and stuff. So sometimes it, there are, like, scenes at the end of the episodes, but I thought it was, I thought it was still... I will say the one thing that I, I'm not sure that I'm liking very much about this Torchwood is that it does not seem or feel like Jack's show anymore. It's like he's not even supporting cast. It's like he's just there sometimes. And then I he, and they keep hinting at, he's like, well, I've been around for thousands of years. What? What does that mean? Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> like, how many? It's so obvious. They did that in the 1800s. Don't worry about it. Yeah, what, what does that mean? Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> well, I'm kind of fine with that because I never really liked Jack in the lead role no, we talked about in season one, too. This is a Torchwood. It's the this Gwen show. This whole thing is supposed to be Jack's show. No, it's supposed to be Gwen's show. It was no. always supposed to it was, it was It was the Gwen and Jack show, and then it was the Jen and Gwack and Yanto show, and Yanto was always supporting cast. It was Eve Miles, I think, is the heart of the show. And Which is weird because they've developed this show around Jack's character though yes when russell decided to do torchwood they said we're gonna do it and make captain jack he's the he's the accessible point for the audience you have but it's like if these people who are watching this year they don't have any clue about jack and it's like they're not making enough references to the past to make me happy i know but do you really think they should be writing the show i appreciate that they're writing the show for new viewers and start and americans who haven't seen it but i get pissed when they talk down to us because they think they're trying to reach the new viewers and they do the yes, amy, and they do the and they do the damn amy pond intro of the season six here's what the target is well like, and if you notice now that they've made the america whatever doctor who there's no references to previous doctor who except that one episode where they had the voices and everybody was like what was that which episode the one where he's coming out of the, where he's plastic and oh, like right. the voices were David and oh yeah and they break off and he hasn't talked to yeah, yeah. He, he hasn't talked to the previous companions or referenced them yeah I mean, nothing well I'm kind of okay with that in terms of Doctor Who because the show has lasted you know for fifty years and I know that you don't always have the same companions come back year after year after whatever year. even with David they brought back Sarah Jane right but that but even Stephen Moffat just needs to get off his high horse and like make a reference right. that's all he has to do. And I will be thrilled. And I will even say too, even on previous Who's, I know they talked about the past all the time, but I'm fine with them not appearing and everything. But yeah, they should make they should one be. reference out of three years. Make one reference. That Jen, would be great. Jen's very bitter about the lack of reference. I just think there. I think it. You need it for the continuity for us to believe this. The same show, the same Doctor. Just show one little reference, and that's it. I will be thrilled. Show freaking Rose's wardrobe or something like have them have them open a bedroom because I want to see a bedroom in the TARDIS and have it be like Martha's or something. Isn't like, it amazing you know that, you, I mean? that your one request is more bedroom time on Doctor Who? Yeah. <laughs> You're like, and no bunk beds. <laughs> no bunk beds. Although that was that was good. That was good. Okay, I'm sorry. I went off on the Doctor Who tangent. There was a small tangent right there. If okay. You, if you blinked, you missed it. But there was a small tangent. But they do need more Captain Jack because as 
as much as they're like, this is so centered around Oswald and blah, blah, blah. Um, hello, I think it's centered around Jack and no one is pointing out the fact that, um, you're mortal. This should be like all about you. I think out of all the world, you're the only one who can't die all of a sudden. I think they're you're going to get into the next five episodes. We're halfway there. They're obviously going to get into can't causing this. They're obviously going to get into how do we fix this? Where do we leave the season off? They're going to get into where Torchwood is left at the end of the season in case they never come back again. They're going to do all those different things. I do enjoy the fact that Jack is more of an ensemble character than the lead character because he's I hate it. He's never been able. But he's never. We always complain he can't hold down the lead. It's role. not him. I really think it's the writing. They've not written him well since I don't think they've written it well since like the first season of Doctor Who. No, I think it's the fact that he's out on his own because when you look at Journey's End and you look at the stolen uh, stolen Earth from Doctor Who, even though he's in his capacity in Torchwood, his character is just better surrounded by the Doctor and surrounded by the companion. Well, he can be an ensemble with it still being centered around him. It's like he is only on screen for maybe seven minutes out of the whole hour. He, he, he did very, I think he did really well in these last two episodes. I think I loved him, you know, cracking jokes about, you know, turning everyone gay. I loved him when they took Rex to, when they called 911 for Rex, he's like, you take care of this big, strong man. I love him. And Rex just flips him off and gets him in the ambulance. I thought that was fantastic. But, I mean, he, he does really well, I think, playing. There's just- I didn't even get a laugh for that. That was a wonderful moment. I didn't even get, a, like, a chuckle? Nothing? Well, the thing is, is I'm just thinking, that just made me think about how much more... His character, it's like, they're, it's like, I, I'm so confused as to where Jack's character is because one minute he's like ghosting Oswald in the tunnels <laughs> and like, <laughs> and, the, and then the next minute he's like playing like an American husband to Gwen and like, oh, I don't think he's playing the American husband to Gwen at all. Oh, I mean, like when they were doing that, like, well, little- he's, he's doing undercover work. I mean, that's what I meant when they were doing the little undercover scene when Gwen was an American. Yes. yes. Oh, like, they, okay. then he, like, so he's doing that. And then he's suddenly like this maintenance worker and like, it's just so He's doing undercover work. He's, he never ever did that in Torchwood though. Well, he's he doing, never did it. The previous three seasons, he's never been like this Jack. And it's like, it's hard for me to go. There's my Jack because he's making like crude little comment. He's like, He's instead of the hero, he's like the comic relief who's going to get laid every episode. I hope like, not because I found that to be oh myish. But I will say that if you well, look at, that's what it see. That's what I'm feeling. His character is like well, right. No, Torchwood season three and Torchwood season four. It's Jack on the run. So on the run, Jack will have to do more undercover jobs. By the way, another shout out if you haven't seen it, Chuck on NBC. It's entering its fifth season. All the seasons are on, uh, the first three seasons are on DVD. first four seasons are on iTunes. It starts up in September, the last 13 episodes. Fabulous show. It's one of the Fabulous best shows. Fabulous show. If you like, have you seen it? I have. In yeah. fact, the actor that plays Chuck is also the male voice in my favorite cartoon, Tangled. Well, there, I have not seen that yet, but I will I will check out Tangled before I check out uh, Cassandra Clare. Really? You didn't see Tangled? I did not see Tangled. I'll put it's it infinitely lovely. higher on my list. Infinitely higher on okay, my list. Okay, good. And, uh... The one thing I do want to say is if you're a Firefly fan mm-hmm. and you've watched the 13 episodes of Firefly and Serenity, then you watch them again and again and again and again and again, hoping uh-huh. they make more, but knowing they never will. Because uh, <laughs> we all love it. Oh, we love it. Adam Baldwin, who plays Jane, is a principal cast member on Chuck and is fabulous. He's an undercover agent, so in every episode, he's he's the maintenance guy, then he's this, then he's that. And that man can throw a microwave from 130 feet and hit you dead square <laughs> in the head, so I love his character. So... It, it was kind of funny because I've been doing a, my first watch through of Chuck with Danielle and we're watching 
you know, Adam Baldwin's character in every episode. Then we see Chuck as, I'm sorry, then we see Captain Jack as the delivery guy. And I'm like, oh, you really cannot do this as well as Casey. Oh, yeah. Well, I did think it was pretty funny when, when Gwen and Jack looked at each other and Gwen is dressed up like, like we've never seen Gwen before. And he's like, come on, mistress. <laughs> she was very beautiful when she dressed up. She's. I thought she, she what I like about her, and I'm just going to come out and say this, is she has got curves and she is not one of those stick actresses. And, and she, she feels very real right. and beautiful. And I love her as an actress. Well, there was an episode, I think, in season three where they almost put her in like spandex or something. And it was very, yeah. un, it was unflattering because they, it looked like they were trying yeah. to, to, to sex her up. As you would someone but who's... But she's very sexy, I think. I think she is when they let her... Yeah, when they be- let her just be... Can I say, though, I had a laugh about the costume designer at the beginning of the fourth episode. What was that? Um, because they get... Um, Esther climbs out of car. And, and I just... This just crossed my mind. Okay, no one's dying. The world is in chaos. They're setting up concentration camps, which I figured out were concentration camps before they announced that it's concentration camps. Anyway... Thank you. And she is wearing, can I just say, like these these huge canvas heel boots, like the most impractical footwear in the world. <laughs> and like she's, I'm like really. Which she must like, have had on her when she left. Well, the she's area. like going to her sister's house, which is boarded up. I'm like, really? Today wasn't a day for tennis shoes. <laughs> like, if I were on the run, can I? I'm just saying. And there were certain costume choices that I think they were trying to make like. The characters, you know, every, everything's cutting edge and new fashion and blah, blah, blah. But some of it for the show is absolutely impractical. It is. It's ridiculous. Like, they've got that doctor. Okay. The surgeon. The doc, the surgeon. May she, re- may she rest wearing, in melted peace. She's wearing Jimmy Choo heels. I'm sorry. But if she was a doctor, a real surgeon, she would be wearing, like, orthopedic footwear and not these stupid six-inch heels all the time. Well, she was going to a meeting. I just have to say, looking over my notes here, I have no notes on the footwear. Jen, well, thank God Jen was here. We, we, we held the podcast for Jen to return from Colorado because we knew she would wake up. If I was an actress in this show, I would be complaining about the footwear. Well, that kind of stuff annoys me. I'm a big fan of, of the later Star Trek shows and Star Trek Deep Space Nine. They didn't... A lot of the Star Trek shows, they put the female characters in cat suits, like these spandex suits to show off every single curve and <laughs> they didn't do that on Deep Space Nine but they made Major Kira wear these obnoxiously high heels and she's like someone who can beat the shit out of you with a toaster you know what I mean <laughs> like she can do things with yeah. a toaster you've never even heard of it's like yeah and but she, she can do it in heels but she's gonna have to wear high heels in every episode which is ridiculous but it is I and I have to say in our generation I am a woman who is anti-heels I have a couple of pair and I'll wear them but they, they prove that they're horrible for your ankles and, and most women have to have knee replacements when they're older from wearing heels and like everybody from the older generations who wore heels like every day have had hip replacements and like they're mm-hmm. awful. And they're horrible. And I am all about, well, this is coming from the girl who wears flip-flops, I think, 365 days a year. Including when it's snowing. Yes. And can I just say, rock climbing in in flip-flops is very difficult. You idiot. You I know. <laughs> I know. I've got skin knees. I know. But I didn't say that I was the most practical. But I, I'm very anti-heel. So whenever I see these women on TV wearing their little six-inch heels, I just want to be like, this is stupid. 
Well, I think you should. It makes me very angry because it puts out a certain image, I think. I'm like, for young girls, but then I'm like, oh, yeah, it's Torchwood. Young girls shouldn't be watching this show. Don't, oh, my God. <laughs> Do not watch the. Oh. Yes, because I'm an old shoes. man and I had difficult. Yeah, the shoes are going to be the very. Shoes, that's it's going to cause the chaos for the young girls with this show. Oh my god, they're never going to look at their bartender again with that blushing when they get old. <laughs> Seriously, though, watch the shoes in the next couple of episodes, and you'll notice that every single female in the show has ridiculous footwear. I, I will not be able to look away now. Thank you. I know you have to. <laughs> I, what I will do is I will look at the uh, cartoon series that Chuck's actor is uh not a series it was the new disney princess movie the princess i will i will watch that then i will check out the shoes from every episode of torchwood and then if i really have nothing else to do i will will read cassandra clear's new novel how's that no because you're gonna read the chaos theory verse first thank god i will do anything basically (laughs) anything i will it, but it's it's really really good i i am quite anti uh now, you said you didn't want to go episode by episode. You wanted to merge everything together. I don't think we're doing very well at that, but... Are we not? I, okay, I, can I just say, the shocker moment, you too, you knew it, was when our doctor friend... The surgeon. Vera. The I think, is her name Vera? Is it Vera? It's Vera. It's Vera. It will okay. go Vera. She got burned to Chris. Well, the shocker moment was more when she got shot. Now... I didn't see that. I did not see that coming. I was kind of seeing it coming because I'm thinking here. Now, the actor who played, the, you know, the, the dude in charge of, of the of the camp. Oh, he was creepy. He, he was, was like perv. He, he was creepy, but you would think he he would know not to be like, woohoo, a woman doctor. Like it's 1968. And hey, honey, you see him talk to that one girl. He's like, here, go get my, go pull my car up. Thanks, like, sweetie. He yeah. was a yeah. I, I've met I've met several men like him, and it's disgusting. And I know, yeah, I know there are people like that, but you would think in this day and age they would be a little. No, lesser. they're not. People like that exist, and it's really sick. Outside of Texas, too, really. Shut up. <laughs> I'm just, no, I'm just. I know it's more of a old school Southern mentality, but no, that is not Southern mentality. That is sick. Well, the fact that he shot her too was was even more sick. But I think <laughs> just because we like guns here, Ryan. I'm, well, I know you not... like guns, but you would think <laughs> with sexual harassment laws and workplace issues and all these different things, if if you think that now you keep it buttoned up a little, he was really, really wearing everything on his sleeve, and it was almost to the point of being a stereotype. I thought. Well, yeah. Because... Sorry, South. Jen pisses off the Indians for two weeks in a row. I will piss what? off myself in this episode. Well, there was a, there was a. There was I don't. A... Think he was well. If he was south, it was like Louisiana, that kind of south. All right. Well, let's just agree it's all Louisiana's fault then. I am fine was, with that. Sorry, it's Esther's, it's Esther's first week as a spy, and she's telling the guy with an armed bodyguard, "You're going to jail forever," and she's saying it over and over and over and over and over. I'm like, this is not a good situation when you're in a back hallway. And he, he shoots her in the gut, then he shoots her in the hand, and they, th- they end up throwing her in the, uh, category one area and burning her. And I'm assuming she's done with the show. I know that she can't well, die. Ugh. But. We I'm, haven't tested the ash theory yet. If they're ashes, are they still alive? Well, that, they have, they almost. They have to be. But, like, I guess if they look at a microscope, they see that it's still living cells, but right. I don't think they'll ever have, like, thought or... Right. I mean, that's the question. I'm, I'm sorry to say I didn't even think of it in the early episodes. We were talking about the, the guy was blown up, how he could still see and look, even though his, his head was disconnected. And I was saying, you know, he shouldn't be conscious. You know, even though you, you can be alive, you won't be conscious. <gasps> 
Oh. Are you alright? Yeah, I just thought of something. Oh, I thought Lee jumped out the window. Okay. No! Like, okay. We're talking about this. I just thought, I just remembered, I had a thought that they had not addressed, and I felt very proud of myself. What was your thought? They haven't addressed Social Security yet. What? Well, if no one dies, if uh-huh. they live forever, uh-huh. how much Social Security is going to be given out? Wait a minute. What about old people wait, who, wait, like... Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. What? So, so we've addressed the fact that we're going to run out of food. We've addressed the fact <laughs> of disease. Part of me. Very much so, yes. We've addressed <laughs> disease. We've addressed <laughs> abortion. We've addressed murder. We've addressed all of these issues. We've started concentration camps. We're burning people at the stake because we have no other place to put them. We are reevaluating the differences between life and death. But you just, hold on, wait, over here. Because you realize just this moment, it is, uh, it is 425 PM Eastern Standard Time on Sunday, August 7th. You just realized that the Social Security Trust Fund is not solvent. Stop laughing. <laughs> I, I assume it will go broke by Friday. I, like they were saying that the NHS in the UK was going to go bankrupt by the end of the week. And they were, I, I think we can pretty much assume social security is over. But yes, I'm surprised we haven't seen it on the scroll bar at the bottom of the screen or something. I mean, how are the old people going to eat? <laughs> <laughs> I'm really concerned. <laughs> What about disability? <laughs> they have no hamsters is all that. When the Social Security Trust Fund runs out, we're just gonna burn you all the stuff. I guess they'll just label one <laughs> they have to go be burned. They'll have a green tag. Could you imagine they've got could you seriously imagine they probably had like the like the guy who was going through checking pulses. Like they well they said that the the head dude who killed Vera, he used to work at like the housing department that was in charge of the concentration camp to the like, you know oh. the like the shortfall in the workforce or whatever. You're picturing the, the, they they probably like raid the local target and they hire these kids and they have them go down and just check for pulses and then tag them. Could you imagine at the end of a of a day of tagging and burning? You find out one of these kids is colorblind and playing the wrong colors. Oh, no. Well, basically, I really, I was actually surprised, and maybe this is just my naive, naivety. Uh-huh. Um, well done. Thank you. I had to think about that word for a second. But um, that they, I really thought that the people who would be handing out the um, clothespins would be more, take their job more seriously. I, I mean, it's one thing to make a paper mistake, but to actually pin a death, I mean, you're putting someone to death. I mean, that I, that's a job that I think that well, I don't think they know. They know more seriously. No, they don't know. I don't think any of them know. I think they know you're okay. If I if I tag you as red, you're you're one, and if I tag you as blue, you're a two. But I don't think they know that red is burnt in in the oven. I don't think they have any idea okay. of that. I think that's very close to the vest. Now, what you have here now is there. There are people like if someone has a heart attack today. Yeah. And someone calls Simon one and they're, you know, they're, they're shocked at the scene and they're shocked in the ambulance and they're doing CPR, getting them into the emergency room and they finally get their heart beating again and they're okay and their brain had oxygen and they recover. That person can then go around saying, I was clinically dead for five minutes and they brought me back. Mm-hmm. Now you have a situation where, because that's how life works now. If someone stops breathing and they have no pulse and their heart is not beating, they can be brought back to life through medical science. 
now you have a situation where anyone, you know, it's subjective now. You know, obviously now they're dead, but we're going to try and bring them back. And if we decide enough time goes by, they're not coming back, we'll stop and, and go with dead. Now you have a situation where the default is almost dead until you can find some reason to say they're alive. So if you have someone brought into the emergency room, you're probably more likely to say this person's dead because I've got 12 other dead people in the hallway. You know, it's because when there's no, that's as as close as we get in the world today to not really knowing when someone's dead to have it be somewhat subjective. Now it's entirely subjective across the board because you have the, the, the small town tea party mayor there who gets crushed at the end of escape to LA and you see her little eyeball looking around. You don't get a sense of if she has a head, but she has an eyeball yeah. and she's alive when she, there's no reason she should be alive. And we don't know if uh, Vera is alive. That's the question. If you vaporize the body, then there is still death. That's, I mean, I think I that, that uh, yeah. that's a cool point to get to for the show. And I'm surprised I didn't think of it. What if you vaporize someone? They're dead now, right? I mean, so this can't. Well, what is sad is the, she was shot in two areas where she would have healed. Right. And that's what was so heartbreaking because she wouldn't be a living dead person. Like, I think if they had shot her in the heart and then she was still alive, it would have had a different impact than her just being shot in the shoulder and the leg because she's still she could still be a hundred percent alive. I think what does that make sense? It, it makes perfect sense. Okay. I think that's what is so interesting about this plot line. And I think they're really using it to, to its greatest impact is that today the default is, is death. You're going to, if the, if enough things go wrong with you, you're dead. We can f- use all of our power as a species and we can fight to, br- if you're, if you're dead very briefly, we can pull you back. If we can get enough of your organs working in, a, a, you know, a very quick period of time, we can bring you back. But the default is death. Death is pulling at you and, and we can try and hold it off. Now the default is life. Yeah. And instead of trying to find ways to bring people back from death, we're trying to find ways of declaring someone no longer alive because right. we, ha- we have too many live people. So that person's heart stopped beating. Okay, good. He's dead. Get rid of him. Even though a year earlier, okay, let's see if we can save this guy. So it, it changes your mindset. And I love that they showed that this guy here has a red, has a red tag on when they go in that filthy back room near where she gets shot. Uh, when they go back there, this guy has a red tag. Well, someone made a mistake. Well, there's going to be a lot of these mistakes because now we're defining what life is and what death is. And it's, it's, a, it's a complete reverse. So I love that as a plot point. I thought that was a terrific plot point. Well, you know, one of the things that I found very curious was when Rex is pretending to be, is it code one? No, uh, condition one, condition, condition one. sorry. Yes. Condition one. Um, and they take him in there and they lay him on the floor. Mm-hmm. Did you notice that? Like everybody in there had like was on a shelf, but they laid Rex on the floor. And not once did he ever go, hmm, they put me on the floor. They because he gets up with his video camera and he's like, This isn't like a hospital. I'm like, they just laid you on the concrete. You're obviously like luggage or something at right. this point. But they didn't really he didn't say anything about it. And I was like, because that was the first thing I noticed was like this isn't normal. This is, they're going to, there's, this is like a holding unit for dead people instead of hospital. Well, I, I don't think we thought it was a hospital. I think we thought that, I didn't know if there were going to be aliens in there. And I love the fact that they're saying, are aliens going to experiment on us? You know, what's the whole, and, that, and there, oh, was, there oh. was, there was a thing in the previous episode too, where they were talking about alien involvement and whether this could be extraterrestrial. The thing which is annoying me about this season is that I know we're not referring to Torchwood 
prior, you know, prior seasons as much. Well, a little bit with season three. We're not talking about Doctor Who at all, aside from the TARDIS joke. The TARDIS, yeah. Okay, Daleks did walk the Earth. You know what yes. I mean? We've lost like four British prime ministers. So, you know, the master yeah. took over everyone on the planet. Cyberman happened. Cyberman, all this stuff happened. And they're like, oh, you know, the, the ridiculous nature that this could be extra. The four, five, six happened. The four, five, six happened. And I know that we're doing the thing where we're saying, oh, people talk themselves out of it so that we can have a plot device that shocks the world and we don't have to keep track of all of these previous. I still things. think it's aliens. Well, I think it would be very interesting if it was just humans. Because every Midnight se- was the scariest episode. Yeah, I yeah. just I just think it's with all of the we've had the Daleks come, we've had the Cybermen come, we had the four five six come. What if as a result of everything we've been exposed to, now we're doing it to ourselves? And that was what Gwen said at the end of the last season. She said, you know, I don't know why this doctor comes here, look what we are, look what yeah. terrible people we are. What if this is us doing it to ourselves? And I don't know now what it is because originally I thought it was going to be a simple thing. I feared there was going to be a simple thing where the insurance companies or the pharmaceutical companies are trying to get everyone sick so that we'll buy lots and lots of painkillers. It's not that because no. they're not keeping people alive. We're burning people to clear them out. And we're at the end of the fifth episode. So we're halfway there and it ends with Oswald or as I lovingly refer to him, Orwell. Uh, Orwell gave the speech, and at the beginning, he's he's fumbling and he's throwing stuff. And I love that people are still yelling out, um, you "I know, hate you, murder!" I, I hate you, and throwing bottles at them. And I found it really creepy in Escape to L.A. that he was holding the little baby, and that that was like, yeah, image, that was very. You know what? It's like I understand Torchwood pushes the envelope, and, and I understand it has to be provocative, and I understand all those things. That, that one's not one you can kind of get past. That was very. Yeah, well, I think it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be completely disturbing. It's supposed to be disturbing, and they succeeded on that one. But I did love his speech where he said, 50,000 years ago, we discovered that we needed to bury our dead. And it for, you know, disease reasons and for, you know, cultural reasons and so forth. And from there, we learned to love each other and we learned all of these different things and we stopped being animals and we became human. And now it's happening again. And now we're becoming angels. And it's though, it's nothing is changing about who we are. We're just becoming immortal. And those of us who are old and, and injured, we're going to burn them off. And we're going to keep going as far as we can until we ourselves burn out. And I thought that was, if that's where it goes, that's a really interesting sociological... Yeah, he's an excellent speech. He's like Hitler when it comes to speeches. Well, he's a terrible speaker unless he gets something in his mind. Like, he was terrible until he stumbled upon that. And and Jack is has no influence, like you were saying, this season. He tries to get him to come on Jack's side by saying, you and me can work together, and if you're really good, I can get you killed. Because thinking that's what he wants. I know! Like, Jack's... (laughs) And I think he does want to die after what he did, but maybe if he thinks that he can become this new... He can be reborn. He can be reborn if he dies into this. They're starting to put a lot of biblical wording, and I think it's because in times of need, people turn to, like, I think certain words make people believe things. And, like, even when they were saying, you know, say the word revelation, and he did, and it was just like, everybody went wild, and I I don't... Yeah. He knows what to say. He certainly does. And they're making a big show of saying that the president isn't leading and the president is quiet. And they're, they're trying to artificially, I think, create a power vacuum so that Orwell uh, can fill I wanted it. to ask you, mm-hmm. and this may, oh gosh, if this comes across tacky, you'll just have to. Anyway, it, yes. okay. Um, 
did you notice? And, and to me, this just crossed my mind, and I'm not sure if it did you, but um, they they had the beginning of the hospital um, where where he was holding the baby, and they were like, okay, this is finally we're putting the sick people in here, and it's safe for the outside world, and they're enclosed and safe. And then they go to Wales, and it's like that's when they start showing all the different concentration camps. And I kept thinking, why did they feel the need to go? overseas to show the like are they not doing the same concentration camping killing you know burning in america is this like some sort of historical statement because the references are you know of well i didn't think it was at all because they weren't to the best of my knowledge burning people in wales but i think that well no i no i know what you're saying but no i mean vera died in an oven in los angeles so all of the See, Vera was in Los Angeles. Was she? Oh, yeah, Rex. They were all not. The only one who went to the UK. I know you just saw this. The only one that went to the UK I was Gwen. I did just see this. I thought. No, Gwen went to the UK. Everyone else stayed in Los Angeles. Uh, there is my confusion. Because, yeah. okay, I don't know why I suddenly thought they were on the same one. No, because if you remember. Oh, if, that makes a lot more sense. Yeah, because if you remember, uh, Gwen just was Gwen over Skype. Just Gwen was over. Yeah, Gwen, okay, was over yeah. Gwen was over Skype, which. I don't know how yeah. I missed that. Sorry. No, that's I not just, Yep, that's not. <laughs> like, I just did. I was I wondering if that was a World that. War II homage. I'm like, yes, yeah, from the mass killings in Wales. So ridiculous. Well, I just my mind went to World War II, and I know. I mean, it wasn't a, on American soil, and so I thought. But you know what, though, as you watch these episodes and you, as you listen to these podcasts, all I've been saying is I think this is implausible. People won't follow, follow a child molester. People won't do that. You know. But when you stopped, and I think we criticize a lot on, on our podcasts. They're doing, if you have a plot point, you know, everyone's immortal, nobody dies. You think it's going to be this euphoric, wonderful revelation, that wonderful change. Of course, we'll need to, you know, ration food and we'll need to, you know, eat a lot more grapes or whatever. But <laughs> what we'll about be, the social security? Yeah, yeah, the social security trust. Oh my God. <laughs> so, Jen just recently discovered social security. And it. But I, you, you would think it's that. And as they show, this is a horrible thing to happen. And everything that's happening in these last two episodes, I think has been very, very plausible. And would we get to a point where we say, okay, we obviously, you know, if someone lives to be 110 now, that's wonderful. But as you slip into a coma or whatnot, now you're 120, 130, you're starting to decompose. We, as a people, can't leave you in a, in a nursing home room all this time. So we're going to cremate you. And while, yeah. while we can't, you know, declare time of death because no one dies anymore, we will do it in a very humane way. I think people would say, yes, thank you. Because one thing you have to understand, and one thing I have to put myself, as you watch this, you're horrified. As you're Vera walking through the hallways, you're horrified. And I'm going to have you prosecuted and people will be disgusted by what you see here. I mm -hmm. think people are horrified by the idea that they can't go to the emergency room when they cut their arm because there's going to be 50,000 dead people robbing people in the hallway. They're petrified yeah. of that. They want something like this. And the thing that's interesting is everyone on the planet will end up category one at some point the people coming up with this master plan at some point will have to be on the other side of the fence you know and to be fair oh this sounds so gross but i completely understand the necessity of the cremation of the the bodies that are are rotting they're they're dead right. but they're still i mean like I think it's it's almost you're almost going to touch the concept of you know cancer patients who literally are just in horrible agony and um you know what's it called helped um, yeah, euthanasia euthanasia uh, you know it's is it merciful to a certain degree knock, I don't know. knock them out and cremate them 
Well, no, I'm not saying knock them out. I'm no, saying, I'm saying they are past the point of living no, where it's have, worthwhile. No, I can't a, see that it's a bad. I, I don't. I know it's have, terrible. If you have a cancer patient who is in uh, who is in uncontrollable agony, yeah. you can't euthanize them anymore because they won't die. So the best you could do is say uh, knock yeah. them unconscious. That was about. It. I just meant no, but it makes sense. Okay, this is if Vera's in a room, if she's in her room with all of her scientists, and they've recently discovered how to cure arsenic poisoning by things you can find in an airplane, and they're deciding the future of the human healthcare system, you're going to have to now have, as we're defining death differently now, you're going to have to define life differently later, and you're going to have to say, at what point do we decide to start cremating people? At what point exactly they can't die? So on paper, and then, you know, essays that kids write in term papers kids write in college it's a very interesting philosophical point until you get to the camp and you have the guy who mislabeled the level one and you can't do the laundry and you're putting the people who are dying in in implementation of it it becomes a very very different deal well my concern is this they kept saying the problem is is we're running out of food we're running out of medication blah 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 because no one is dying but in reality, people are still becoming living corpses. So those people still aren't eating. Those people still aren't needing drugs. They're just bodies that won't right. die. So, I mean, the world, is it really in as much chaos as they're all freaking out about? Or is everybody just have these living bodies laying around everywhere that nobody seems to know exactly what to do with them? Well, people make it worse. It's, it's, there's one thing. Well, of course. Well, no, there, there, there's the reality of the situations and there's the fear and the anxiety and how that inflames the situation. I just want to clarify on one thing too. Right now, I just made a comment saying that, you know, we're not defining life now, we're defining death. I mean, yes, today, if someone's in, in, in a hospital room and you're questioning whether or not to pull the plug on them or not, some people will argue they're alive. Some people will argue they're dead. So we do have these wonderful philosophical debates over whether or not someone yeah. is still alive. In much the same way, someone is clinically dead and we pound on their chest enough and they come back. What is going to happen here is that you have those lovely situations because it's a hospital and it's busy, but it's not over the max. When you have 500 dead bodies in the auditorium and you've got to decide who's alive and who's dead, just the magnitude of it and the, and the, and the numbers, you're going to have to start making split second decisions about about people's lives and you're going to have and or I, just a new rule book about what to look for and if they don't have a b and c i can't figure this out here so you have small town tea party mayor and i call her small town tea party mayor because she just seemed like someone who was a small town tea party see mayor. and i i put her as one of those religious nuts <laughs> yes let's go with religious nut because okay. I, I i apologize for the tea party thing i don't know what her opinion is on fiscal issues i do not know where she stands <laughs> On the extension. She just reminded me, and I say this as a Southern Baptist Christian. Yeah. She reminded me of one of those, like, those people that, like, stood up and was like, let's burn the Harry Potter novels because they're Yes, Satan. thank you. Like, she, the Laura people Mallory who take it herself. to the extreme. Yes. yes. I do not know that character's position on the extension of the debt limit or the uh, expiration of our sterling credit rating as a nation. I don't know her opinion on that. So, let's, so I shouldn't say to you. <laughs> We'll go with religious nuts. But religious anyway, nuts, yeah. Yes, dead Small is dead. town. Dead is dead. Now, she's crushed in a car, but her eyeball is still moving. Oh, that was creepy. It was creepy. So do you burn her while her little eyeball is looking up at you going, no, 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 no? If I were her, I'd rather be ash than an eyeball. I think so, too. But that's the thing. So Yeah. So, that was a little weird, though, because she should be mush. She, should she be shouldn't mush. actually have, like, the... 
Well, it's like it's like that guy where they cut his neck and he was still blinking. Like it shouldn't. Well, they, that they, shouldn't have happened. They say in the next episode that your life, you know, we're supercharged on life and we're not dying like we used to. But it's difficult for because if the show worked like normal, you would have people. You know, they they would be unconscious a lot. Unconscious yeah. but alive would be the new thing. And that's exactly. Very, and that's comatose. Very, and that's very alive. boring for a show. We need Rex to be able to pull the stake out of his chest and so far. <laughs> I want to know who re-stabbed him or punched him and made him bleed again. And I'm sorry, but Jack's like, he's my boyfriend. <laughs> he I'm flips looking- him off. They are making Jack much more gay this season. And I wish that they would make him more omnisexual because that's what yeah. I liked so much about him. They seem to be doing, and I know Russell Davies has a new show coming out about gay men. And it just, it seems like we've gone from characters who, oh, happen to be gay, like, oh, Dumbledore happened to be gay, and now we're going into, like, the Ellen show thing, where it's how many gay subplots can be scrapped. Well, I'm reading Russell's Doctor Who writer's tale, and you know that Russell is gay, and Jack, and John is gay, and, like, I think, and and he goes off on these tangents sometimes about how it's still looked down upon so much that they have to be just over the top with it to kind of make it where it's normal for people to see gay couples and things like that. So that it's not, so people aren't set that the shock factor isn't still there because people still are uncomfortable with seeing it on screen. Cause it's not there all the time. Well, I think the thing is and, though, if you have an executive producer like Russell, who is so acceptable of, of those particular plot lines, what happens is every single character has them and it becomes way more of, of, something which exists percentage-wise than you would have in life. Like, for example, when you go into Doctor Who Season 6, you have, um, I'm blanking on the actor's name, from uh, Romo Lampkin. I don't know what you're talking about. Battlestar Galactica, Romo Lampkin. I don't know what, I don't know. Okay, he's the um, guy from Firefly. He was at the end of uh, Season 3. He was the lawyer on Battlestar. I don't think you liked. Okay, Battlestar, hang with me. He defended Baltar. (sighs) Oh! I, yeah, the, the black short hair glasses. Yes, okay. Well, yeah. his character at the end of his little run on, on Doctor Who recently, you found out he was gay and engaged to a black man in Who was he on Doctor Who? He was on, uh, he was just in the, he was the um, CIA agent with Richard Nixon at the end <gasps> of the season. Oh, yeah, the CIA, yes. Okay. Yes, I'm and, so, yes and he was gay. Okay. And you have a one-liner about him being gay, and it was a terrific one-liner. I just, I, I get sometimes that they try... They're, they're making Jack so over the top and they're putting the gay jokes in every episode. I, I appreciate that they even say, you know, you're trying to turn the world gay, you know, one man at a time. That's the plan. Yeah. But it just, it seems like it's so much more. He's now gay Jack versus Jack who also had omnisexual. Yeah. Well, no, just it was part of who he was before. Now it's, it's his number one. I know. And yeah. well, to me, what, what made Jack so appealing was Jack used sex appeal for one for all. Right. And women loved him and aliens loved him and men loved him. And it wasn't. There what didn't have to be like what I liked about it was it was open love, right. and like <laughs> please God don't let my mother ever hear this one again. But um, hello, Wendy. <laughs> but um anyway, um uh, but now it's like I don't know if Russell is trying to make just some sort of political statement or if they're trying to be bring more of John's real life actor into Jack's character more, but whatever it is, I want them to be more. I want him to be more flirty with women and aliens. I, Make it fair for all. I think it is. That's all I want. You want Jack, Jack, sex, 
Jack's sex for all. I, well, think- I will say that they said in interviews that Jack this season would be more gay. And I'm like, than previous seasons where he was with Yonto and with Mike. <laughs> how, how much gayer can he get? <laughs> I Apparently, it's all about the gay jokes now, and I'm like... Well, you know what it is? I think they're trying to be provocative in any way that they can. Well, you can be provocative, have have a threesome with a boy and a girl, or like... I know that's your your wet dream, Jen, but I think that... I think think for this particular plot point, you know, having a very openly... Well, the thing about Jack is he's a very... he's He's a gay action hero. Well, no, he is. He is not supposed to be a gay action hero. But that's he's who he is. To be an homosexual. No, because no, that's who he is now. That's, that's who he is now. Again, but there's no references to who he was previously, and that is another reason why I'm complaining about his character this season. Because they've just went oh X and A on everything he was in the before. We're just starting up with new gay Jack, who is a, a subplot character. Like well, they're not overwriting, they're not conflicting with they're anything. They're underwriting. That's my complaint. I understand. Well, I know they're trying to reach the stars' audience and whatnot. I mean, the thing with shows like this is, like you were saying before, you wish that that Moffat in in season five and six of Who would talk more about one through four. You're going to have these mention it once, right? But for those of us who have seen them all, we can accept that maybe Eleven doesn't want to talk about it. Obviously not, Ryan. But I've seen them all. You've seen, and them? I'm still complaining. It's been less than a year. Well, you you you, you do enjoy. A good complaint session, dear. Oh, <gasps> are you calling me a griper? I, I, I think did I? <gasps> I don't know. I think I may have. I have a very good point, though. You do. You actually. I am do right in my griping. You do have a point. Well, I'm, what my <laughs> counterpoint will be is that those of us who have seen it all can kind of just work it out in our heads. Whatever. Whatever. Dude. All right. What else do we have on on these two episodes of uh, torture? Who are we missing? Okay. What? Did, what? Who are we missing? Who are we forgetting? Well, Orwell, but we don't care that much about the world. <laughs> I did enjoy. Well, I can't think because his name Orson Well, no. <laughs> well, the thing which I enjoyed was when um, when he's about to go on the stage, he sees Jack down the end of the hallway, and Orwell chases after him, and Jack disappears. Then he looks down. The, then he looks on the side hallway, and Jack's down the ends. So Orwell chases after him. And I'm like, hey, this is pretty good. They could be back in Wales by the next episode if they keep this up. <laughs> was it just me, or was I like this really long way to follow someone? Like Jack was like over here. Over here, like they went through like three big scenery. Why moves. didn't he bring the ser- the security guard with them? Like he's like, you men stay, stay there. there. I order you. That's an order. I'm like, you're a child molester. You can't give an order. <laughs> like, what the hell is that? And then, well, then the thing which is funny was Jack doesn't have his little teleporter thing. Like, oh, maybe he does. Maybe he's teleporting. Because I'm thinking like, how did okay. he get back to Earth? Where was he? No, he has the teleporter thing on his wrist. But then the thing, oh, I have a question for you in a second. But then okay. the thing is, Jack, like, Orwell runs down and he's way down the end of the hallway. Did Jack teleport down there? Or did he, like, the minute Orwell turns his head, he's like, <laughs> like, ran down the hallway. <laughs> oh. I don't know. I still want answers questioned between what happened to Jack between the end of last season and this season. I yeah. really want to know if Jack went to meet Bo, had a bow. Head up the head the, the big talking head, the big giant head. Yes, I kinda want them to bring back the face of Bo. And um Oh my god, can you imagine what's gonna happen if they, He'd probably flirt with himself and then if they be- don't if they don't renew Miracle Day, if they don't if they don't bring it back. At the end of the season, the human race, 50,000 years from now, they'll all be looking like the face of Bo. See, I don't think so. I think I think it has something to do with him being part alien. Possibly. I, de- I definitely have theories about this. No, but they seem to... No, because the guy who got shot in the throat, I mean, the comment to him, like, 
he was involved in this in some capacity or he knew who was involved. Yes. In I wanted to know more about that guy. And what is the triangle symbol? It's like the Deathly Hallows or everywhere. Invisibility cloak. Exactly. So I'm hopeful that since he videotaped Vera evaporating, that maybe, because unless something on the tape clues them into like she got teleported out at the last I'm just glad it wasn't a cell phone. Can you imagine him like taping her on a cell phone? Well, it was. He sounds so disgusted. Like if he tapes her, I the am. Camera, that's well, like people get mauled by bears, and people don't try to save them; they just record on their cell phone. But the thing that cracks me up is that when they gave him the camera, it was like this big honking camcorder. <laughs> Torchwood, like nineteen eighties or something. <laughs> Torchwood, nineteen eighty four. Because no, because Gwen's got the contact lenses, and they got this Torchwood software, which blows, which blows OS seven Lion completely away. This stuff is supposed to put that. Even Jack had a gun that was tiny enough to keep it somewhere. Like you think, are oh, those little cameras the one you bought when I was with you in New York? The little handheld yeah, thing that broke. Little, it broke that, after a day and a half. Like, it, I bought it broken, and I that was $150 wasted still. But the, I, the little tiny thing that you can just hold up and take, like, they couldn't give him one of those. They have to give him, like, the big camera. That's, like, the VHS tape thing in the side. <laughs> you have to hold it on your shoulder. <laughs> and, like, here you go. You're on a covert mission. It's like one of the early cell phones that are as big as a payphone. Like... <laughs> <laughs> that was fantastic. Like, this is, stars cut back on the budget, sorry. <laughs> no, I was expecting them to use a cell phone, because you think you want him to have a phone, and you want him to have a camera, send him in with a camera phone. We don't I had need, the same thought. We don't need this thing to be broadcast in HD. I mean, just take the damn picture. <laughs> Or why didn't they give him the contact lenses? Because they were specially for Gwen's eyes. I thought they were lying about that, because they even said, you liar. Gwen was wearing them, remember? No, but not in this episode, because in this episode... she took them to Wales with her, probably. Yeah, she's wearing them in Wales. No, she so probably that did. No, because... Esther can write obvious messages. No, because if you remember, he, she shows them to Rex uh, two episodes ago, or one episode ago. Yeah. And when... No, it was in um, Escape to L.A. She shows them to Rex, and then she says they're especially fitted for my eyes, and someone even typed across the screen, liar. Yeah, that was sp- Jack. Because in the last season, they gave them to the uh, intern who was working for Torchwood that they sent into the Prime Minister's cabinet meeting and recorded the whole thing. She wore them. And so, th- so they would have, but she took them to Wales and they had to UPS them. So they gave them the VHS camcorder and they sent them in. So that actually does work. I think Reese is handling Gwen being away all very well. I'm sorry, but for a man stuck with a baby, James wouldn't have lasted so well. <laughs> the baby's dead. Well, that was kind of funny because she gets to her mother's house and she's like, oh, look, so much pink. I'm like, you had her decked out in pink. In the I know. Episode. Yeah, I'm Full sorry. They, when did Gwen have to be a tomboy? That that was never what I thought. Well, I just thought it was funny that she had her decked out and she had little pink earmuffs in the, yeah, uh, in the, I know. In the first episode. Well, I, I think it's interesting because Gwen's dad, who... I believe either Gwen just killed. Yeah. He's he's doing very well. He seems like he he almost has this like Arthur Weasley mentality to him that you could accidentally stab him in the foot. Oh, it's all right. It's a flesh wound. Lovely to see you. Like he's, he's such a good guy. And then Gwen's mother. Now I know they run Torchwood. They were in the, the one where Gwen got married, but I don't remember their characters. I think it was Reese's mother. I couldn't stand in that one, but whatever. I just remember Gwen's mother. The first thing you see her, she's calling the baby fat. (laughs) 
And then I know. After- Russell has a thing against mothers. But he th- hates mothers. But then Gwen has survived. She comes back to Wales and she's like, this is the top secret military installation. You're going in to get your father or die trying. It's like, oh. <laughs> yeah. Well, they all are redeemed. I mean, everybody hated Jackie, but Jackie has to be my favorite character of all time. I love Jackie. And then I hated Martha's mother, even when she did redeem herself. I still hated her. And then she had very severe eyebrows. I think who was oh Donna's mother? I hated her, but then I loved her. She redeemed herself. And then I mean, I think Russell does that with mothers. He writes them where you hate them, and then they redeem themselves. I just think it was so funny. You're going to go in there and get your father, and like, granted, Gwen's on your side, but it's like, oh, she's got like maps on the wall and yeah. She turned CIA. Well, Gwen's not very good. She walks in. I demand to have my father. I'm like, can you shoot him? That might help. Like, it's like, this isn't going to work. I know. She was a really bad nurse. And I was upset that her scrub pants didn't match her scrub shirt. She looked very unprofessional. You're really the fashion uh, editor. I know. And I never thought that I was. I think I was already on a rant, though, about the fashion. And so I started noticing everything. And I was just, I just didn't like it. Well, she's almost going to get arrested. I'm like, you're wanted by the CIA. Don't get arrested. I know. Well, we're going to go undercover. I'm not a nurse, and this is my father. Yeah, good job, Gwen. Yeah. You think someone would have been like, who the hell are you? But I, guess I they, know. They, Why they, they ha- like a nurse? Well, no. I think she used that Cracker Jack Torchwood software to get in there, and now that she was in there, I think there's so many new staff that they don't know who the hell anyone is. So that was... As long as they didn't ask her, like, a medical question. Yeah, right? <laughs> exactly. Well, what's his pulse? Um... Four. <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> Four. Well, no, she she recently gave Jack the shot. That could have been her medical training back on the second episode in the airplane. Oh, that's true. I'm I, like, a- hold on, let me cure. So this man has arsenic poisoning. Hold on, she starts grabbing a laptop battery. And like, water. oh my gosh. Oh, I, we have pills for that over here. No, I'm, I've got it. She's like ripping up the floorboard. <laughs> I'm gonna melt this necklace in a bowl of water. Exactly. <laughs> um. God, I need a diabetic. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, there was just a lot of good things. Um, I enjoyed them. Very what did you think about all the, um, the, oh, okay. At first, okay, um, super, uh, religious lady. Yes. Was she the actress from Doctor Who from the Family of Blood episode? No, I didn't. It looked so. like her. I she thought looks inc- her? she was incredibly recognizable to me. She, I had to look her up, and she was in nothing I had seen before. Well, she's American, and I don't believe she would have been in that episode. But are she- you positive that she was not the girl that the doctor falls in love with? What? When the doctor is a human. I'm positive that's not her. You I mean, swear that I thought that that is who oh, it was. No, we're you're about thirty years off on that one. No, 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 what? no, 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 no. The the super religious, like the the no, mayor. Not the same, no, I just think it's the same actress. No, 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 no. Okay, we're gonna look this up right here. <laughs> I really did. I thought that the actress that was the super religious lady is she was just playing an American, but she's still the British girl who oh no 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 that was um here say something entertaining while i look this up go 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 obviously i thought that was entertaining something else go 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 i think that i would like to do maybe the game of game of thrones sometime have you read it no the episodes yes but have you read the book no (laughs) do you find that not to be a prerequisite for the game of thrones well if i recall someone gave it to you and then it didn't get to me I actually gave it away as a gift. I recently gave it to Rennie. Seriously, you re-gifted my gift? You didn't give it to me. Game of Thrones, Mike gave it to me. I know, he gave you two. He gave you one for me. Did I ever give it to you? No! Oh, sorry. 
It's around here somewhere. That's why I haven't read it. Aaron, Rena was just saying here, and she borrowed it, and she went to give it back to me. I'm like, oh, no, please. It's a gift. <laughs> I, well, I, I just get Rena to send it to me. That yep. was supposed to be my gift that Brent gave you. Sorry. Mike will be disappointed with me. Uh, Mayor Winningham played her, and she is 52 years old. And uh, the Doctor Who episode was what? It, uh, Family of Blood or something? Family of Blood. You can hear both of us typing. Who can get I know, there first? I'm IMDBing it. Hold on. And Jessica no, Hines, Jessica Hines. Is 38. Yes, there's a, there's a living age. So it wasn't her. Sorry, Jessica Hines. Sorry, Jessica Hines. But Mayor Winningham, looking good, or whatever your name is. Sorry. I thought they did look very similar, though. I swear yeah. that woman before. No, no. She does look very familiar, but I don't know what in the world it is I've seen her in. What is her name again? And Mayor I'm- Willingham, Winningham, Winning, Winning. Mayor. She was on 24 for two episodes. <laughs> She was on Boston Legal, which I've seen. I think I know her in enough bit parts that she's recognized. She was me. in Helen. She was Helen Keller. That's how I know her. Well, I, I, I was not. I. Did oh, not, I did, she was in St. Elmo's Fire. That's how I know her. I, I did not know Miss. Oh Keller, my but god! I, that was I loved her in St. Elmo's Fire. Well, I, well, she is an. She's been. Oh, she was in White Herb, which I love, and The War. The War was great. <laughs> The war was great. Like the, the war, war was great. I am not ashamed is the title of tonight's episode. Oh, that's who she was. She plays Meredith Grey's mother in Grey's Anatomy. That's how I know her. I think it's possible we've lost Jen now. I know this lady. I was, I can't believe you were like, I don't know anything she's in. I'm like, oh, I love that. And I love that. And I love that. And I love that. Okay. okay. Now I feel so much better. You know, when that nagging feeling you get, mm-hmm. you know, and that she was in ER. <laughs> Everyone was on. Everyone is in ER. All right, so torture of Miracle Day. These two episodes. What else we got? You got nothing, do you? Um, sorry. I'm trying to think what else happened. That was. I mean, everything was just building up to the big shocker. I really, I really had an oh my god moment when they were going to burn when they were burning the doctor because I didn't see that coming. The surgeon. We're we're concerning people now. The surgeon was burned. That's what, yeah, that's what I meant. Oh, the doctor. Not not the doctor. Not the doctor. So I I think that's pretty much all I have. Do you want to? Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, these were just great, and I'm really looking forward to to next week's. I really want to know, like, the conclusion. John Barrowman said that the seventh episode was something to really look forward to, so. We have to get through next week, and then there'll be. We need to get through the crap that will be next week's episode before (laughs) we get to the seventh episode. (laughs) Yeah. And hopefully there's more, you know, heterosexual sex. That would be good with sex. And I would be happier. <laughs> what Jen wishes for for Christmas every year, our fellow Twainy, is more heterosexual sex. So I'm all about the gay sex. I think it's great. <laughs> I just think a woman shagged every now and then adds something to the mix, you know? My friend, my friend and all Puffwainian's friends, Dave. If you know Dave, what I love about Dave is he finds the best what exchange and Potterfic Weekly quotes and he tweets about them. <laughs> that one, Dave, if you're listening, Dave, that one, right there, go. <laughs> oh, that's not my fault. Yes, it is. Alright, so Jen and I will be back immediately after the upcoming Craptastic 6 episode of uh, Torchwood <laughs> in preparation for, for the action-packed episode in two weeks, and uh, we'll hopefully have Jen even more out there than she is this week once she's had her coffee. Have a good night. Bye! Bye.